This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online. I almost forgot that. I don't know how many times I've said that. Well, uh, approximately 469 times. This is the number of the shows that I've done here on, on Talk Radio. 469. That's what the show is right now. The date for this show as I'm recording it uh, is what? Well, is what? Uh, 925. The show will be dated 926 of 2020. Let's timestamp it there for you. Uh, I have a, uh, well, I won't say it's a co-host, because I don't expect her to say anything, but I have uh, my cat uh, laying next to me on the on the seat, on the little couch, the love seat, as we call it, um, here in the living room where I record my show. She's just laying next to me, and uh, hopefully she will, if she remains for the whole show, She'll be quiet. Uh, if not, uh, well, or you know, maybe she'll just wander off because she'll get tired of listening to me talk. Maybe that's, maybe that'll happen. So do I sound any different to you? Do I sound any different? Well, I shouldn't because this wouldn't make a difference. I got new glasses. Uh, I, I need, uh, well, you know, uh, this goes to um, the Geologic Podcast, the thanks to G, uh George Robb, who does that podcast. Some time ago, he talked about, uh, well, he wears glasses. And he he says, if I recall correctly, he said it was one of his indulgences for himself is to get glasses. And there's and he talked about how, what a markup there is on eyeglasses. I mean, it's very expensive stuff. But there's a website out there, and there might be others, but one he mentions called Zenny, Z-E-N-N-I, or Zenny, Zenny.com, that uh, you can go to, and you can get glasses from there. Now you have to know what you're, you have to have your prescription from your from your eye doctor. You have to have that, and there's certain measurements that you need to provide. But you can get glasses, and they can be really inexpensive. Now, I'll, the insurance that we have is uh, uh, set up so that um, we can get an eye exam, I think, every year, uh, once a year. Uh, and we can get glasses if our vision has changed by, I think it's like 0.5%, which is, how do you determine that? I don't know, but they have a, they figured it out with the eye doctors and the insurance and all that. Or if they're stolen or lost or broken. You can get a new pair for 25 bucks. And uh, so the insurance pays the rest. 
And some and so I think I talked about this back when I got my last uh, my previous new pair of glasses. Um, I uh, you know got a pair that's kind of uh, that older pair, the, the one that that the the more uh, the other pair that I got. <laughs> <laughs> the last pair of glasses that I got before these are sort of that Buddy Holly sort. You know, the thick black frame kind of thing. It's sort of like that. Not exactly, but along those lines. And that was very similar to the pair of glasses that I'd owned before. Uh, and then I found out about this Zenny thing from George Robb. He says, super inexpensive glasses. Especially when you consider what you would have to pay when you pay full price. Because when I got that pair of glasses for the 25 bucks through my insurance, uh, I got another bill in the mail a couple few weeks later that said that, well, I owed the rest for the glasses, which was like another like 375 bucks or something like that. It's like a $400 pair of glasses, something around there. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? So I called the insurance and said, what, what, what's, what's this? And they said, well, your your vision hadn't changed by 0.5%. I said, well, I didn't know that. And I was told that I was covered for a pair of glasses. And I wouldn't have gotten new glasses if I wasn't covered for them, if, you know, if I hadn't been told that. And they went through a whole thing. It ends up that, well, because some paperwork wasn't done on the side of the eye doctors, um, you know, I got the glasses for 25 bucks. It wasn't my fault. So the insurance paid for it or whatever. Or the the eye doctors had to eat it or something. I'm not sure how it went, but you know they did not. You know, they they must have got something wrong on there and thought I was covered for the glasses when in fact I wasn't. But anyway, so I got them for 25 bucks. Well, these pair, this pair of glasses I got from Zenny uh, is more like 45 with everything. I think I got some. Uh, well, I did get a clip on a pair of clip on. You know, sunglass things for them, um, and, and that costed I don't know, like seven bucks for that. But I think Amy and I we sat down for the three of us. We finally, meaning Amy and I and our son Hayden, uh, we all wear glasses. Uh, we went down. We finally went online. And said, okay, well, let's check this out and let's 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 do an order of sunglasses and see what kind of what we get and see how they see how they work. And we had our prescriptions. We had all that information that we needed for the measurements and that kind of thing. So we go on, we look for stuff and, and found glasses. And uh, we got three pairs. You know, Amy got a, herself some prescription sunglasses. I got another pair of glasses that are, um, see the other glasses are the Buddy Holly type. See, but now, see, the, the prescription's the same, I believe. So the, the Buddy Holly type glasses are, you know, you know, I can wear those when I want to feel that mood, or I can wear these, and these are more like the, I don't know, 1960s scientist glasses, or college professor glasses, or something like that. They're still largely black, you know, there's a black upper part of the frame, and then the lower part going around the, you know, the bottom of the lens is silver, although the silver goes all the way around, so um, it's, it's kind of like that. I'll put a picture of me with my new glasses on, up onto the... Uh, onto the show notes page, which you can get to by going to dimland.com, click on the show notes, show notes option, and you'll be able to see my new glasses of, along with the rest of the notes for this show. Uh, I gotta undo that. I'm blocking my, can my, uh, my clock so I can see what time to take my break. So uh, I've been wearing them. It's, it's the, the type of lenses are a little different from what I get 
from the eye doctor, uh, the, they don't offer the same type. So there's a t tiniest bit of distortion um, that can that happens with new glasses as you, your eyes try to figure it out. And uh, but it's not. I mean, it's not. It's it's not. You know, it's it's not a problem. So uh, I like them. I think they look pretty cool. Uh, and I'll wear them. You know. And uh, they seem to work with the masks without having to have the little strap to hold them onto the back of my head. They seem to work with the mask. But uh, we'll try them out some more and see how, how well that goes. So, yeah. So we got new glasses. Well, Hayden ended up not really caring for his. He put his on. He says, eh, he didn't like the way they looked. So we sent them back. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try a, another pair for him. Yeah. But we see that this works. So who knows? Might get... Now I've now I've, this is the first time I've owned two pairs of glasses with basically the same prescription. I, actually, I think it's exactly the same prescription. Uh, and now you know, so now I I can yeah, if I feel like Buddy Holly one day, feel like 1960s scientist the next, I can do that. And then we'll see, we'll see. We're not we're, but they are. And, and if I do go to the eye doctor, uh, I should probably go again this year. And if my prescription doesn't really change, um, you know, and if I you know, want to get a pair of glasses, or if, you see, when you get the insurance-covered glasses, there's only a certain number of frames that you can get. You can't pick from their f full selection. They give you, like, 30, you know, they pull out a couple of cases of, uh, like, you know, 20 or 30 frames, and, and you get to choose from them. And so now, if there isn't a, a kind of glasses that I like in choosing from them, I can I can go to Zinni. I'll pay a little bit more than twenty five bucks, but I ain't gonna pay five hundred bucks, four hundred bucks, three hundred seventy five, whatever. I'm not gonna pay that kind of money. So I don't know. It's up to you. Check it out. But uh, I learned about it from George Rob on the George, on the Geologic podcast, which is very cool. Uh, let's see. I want to kind of go light uh, for a segment here and, and 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 remember look nostalgically back on the uh, the 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 television sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati you remember that series remember that show it was on for four years which is which is good it's not one you know you're you're you know I think if they if you get a series to go for yeah, six or seven years. Then they're thinking, "Well, that's a very successful series." But it was a good series, and it 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 was a good comedy. Uh, it was back when I was still watching television. Um, it's 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 uh, something that it gets talked about on the Stuck in the Eighties podcast, where the two hosts, uh, Steve Spears and Brad Williams, they will talk about the fact that they don't talk much about television in the eighties. Uh, because simply because the two of them, are, I think, are the same age. They're a couple of years younger than me. Two of them are, so that makes them like 53 or something. Um, it's same thing, same situation I was in. Uh, you got to a point at your in your in your in your age where you went out more. You were out, and you weren't watching television. You were going out doing things with your hanging out with your friends at night, and you were just you know you just you weren't watching television. So they don't talk a lot about it. But WKRP in Cincinnati came on at a point where I was still watching TV. It, it debuted in 1978, and it ran for four seasons, uh, 86 shows. The last show aired in 1982, 
Oh, you're going to leave now, kitty, huh? You're going to take off? You got tired? You didn't want to hear about that show? All right, fine. Anyway, so the cat left. Um, and the series is about a, uh, a, a small AM radio station underperforming, uh, kind of uh, just kind of a quiet, uh, lazy station that uh, um, plays uh, easy listening, elevator music kind of stuff. It's nothing great and it's just this is kind of the station manager is the son of the owner his his mother owns the station and he runs it and it's it's a the we 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 meet this young fellow named Andy Travis who is played by Gary Sandy and he comes in and he's the new program director and apparently there've been program program directors that have come there before and left not having been able to turn the station around, but he comes in and he wants to turn it from the easy listening music. He wants to turn it from that to a rock and roll station. And so, uh, and that's, you know, the excitement of all that. And the series, uh, they actually tackled a few topics that were, they maybe not, didn't tackle them well, but at least there was they, they made some conversations there, or they brought in these topics, and it just uh, you know maybe could have done better. But it was there was certain addressing of certain things. Like I was writing this some of the stuff down. There was uh, they had uh, well one of the first things that happened was they they had uh, the. Um, uh, they had angry listeners come down to protest the station changing its format, which they thought, oh, this is a good way to get to get free publicity for the station, turning its format. Uh, they dealt with that. There was um, there was uh, uh, terrorists. They had a, they had a, they had to deal with terrorists. <laughs> Somebody blew up their uh, their their antenna. I think that was a two part episode, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see. Early in the series, they dealt with uh, homophobia. Maybe not the best way, but at least it was there was some uh, an attempt at touching on it. See what happened in that episode was uh, Les Nesman, uh, played by Richard Sanders. I think his name was Sanders. Richard Sanders. Oh, I should have written it down. Uh, I believe that was his name. Uh, he played Les Nesman, and Les Nesman was this oddball kind of. Guy, kind of nebbish kind of guy, nice enough and everything like that. A little naive, and he 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 was their newsman, and he was, and he would do hog reports and that kind of thing, like like that mattered on a rock and roll station. But they had him do it, and he was kind of, he kind of got a reputation. He would be listened to because he was he's always uh, uh, worth a laugh, all right. And he was banned from the baseball team's uh, locker room because uh, one of the players thought he was gay and that upset less and less ended up on a on a on the window ledge contemplating suicide uh well it was a mistake in communication going on uh, this player overheard other sports guys talking about les nesman and one of them said he's kind of a queer fellow or something like that and they used to use the word queer and the usage of the word queer at the uh what it meant at you know the intent for about is that he's an odd kind of character. He's a 
He's, a, he's eccentric. He's, he's different. He's weird. But it was taken by the player to mean that he was gay. Now, oh gosh, you don't want to be considered gay. And it's, it just, you know, it, it was straightened out and everybody was fine. But it, it opens a door a little bit. Doesn't exactly handle it the best way. But it opened the door a little bit in, in, in looking at homosexuality and how it's portrayed on television and things like that. It still had, it was still falling into the stigmatization of it and using it for some comedy. But they even did trans stuff. There was an episode in which the, the, um, uh, the salesman, the, 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 the sales guy, uh, what was his name, Herb Tarlick, played by Frank Bonner, uh, he met up with somebody that he used to go to high school with, and it was an you know, attractive woman, and he and, and 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 she was interested in him and had always been interested in him, and he, he gets really close to uh, uh, breaking his vows of uh, you know he was married already, uh, but and and started to um, get involved with this woman and found out that he you know he. He never quite remembered her at school. He just that was always bothered. And then he found out that well, the reason he didn't remember her when she was in school is because when back in in high school days, she was uh, her, her gender was was male. She was born with the male plumbing and all that kind of stuff. But she was you know she was trans, and finally had the you know done something about it so that she lived the who the person she that she is she she became the person that she that she really was and 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 I guess had the surgery and all that kind of stuff and so it's sort it's sort of deals out again it's for humor it's probably not in the best way was it handled but it was just it just touched on it just a bit and and maybe open the door just a little but again probably not handled the best way uh, at it, but it at least raised uh, raised the topic. It also dealt with censorship. There was a religious right character that uh, you know the owner, the the manager of the station, Arthur Carlson, played by Gordon Jump. Uh, he's you know he he admired this guy and uh, this this religious right guy, and he admired him. And 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 but this right guy would start saying, "Well, we can't have these kinds of songs being played because it's gonna, you know, it's gonna melt the kids' minds and turn us everybody into you know delinquents." And they ended up coming around on that, you know, where uh, uh, Arthur ended up. Mm, Walking away from that guy, when Johnny said, "Well, what? Is, ask him what he thinks of these lyrics," and he hands him a sheet of lyrics, and 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 he and gives him to Arthur to give to the Reverend fellow, and he reads the lyrics, and it's the lyrics to John Lennon's song "Imagine," and he's reading through it, and he gets to the words "Imagine no religion." Wow, we can't. This is out. Oh, we can't. Is that on the list? Yeah, it's got to be on the list. And he says, "This is this, this is just." imagining this is just thoughts these are just ideas that you know and it's a decision made by one man and you know he you know it was nice it was nice it was a nice kind of pushback on the censorship type stuff that you know the things that would come up later with the PMRC and uh, the you know Frank Zappa and and John Denver <laughs> and D Snyder went to Congress and talked about how the you know the senators wives are getting a little too worked up about the albums uh, but anyway, about rock music and lyrics and stuff. 
So they had it touched on that, um, and there was payola that they touched on. There was an episode where a tornado, a tornado in downtown Cincinnati. Well, I suppose it could happen. Uh, you know, there was all kinds of nifty stuff there. And then, of course, there was the the turkey massacre for Thanksgiving. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. I mean, it's a great series. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it it made it through. Uh, four seasons was pretty good. I've got more to say about it, a little more background things, and I might have a particular moment dealing with this show when I come back from my break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll be back. This song was never played on WKRP. Listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I am living on Channel Z. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Now, uh, as I was saying, as we were heading out to the break, I uh, mentioned that that song that was playing is playing is out of the show. That's a song called Electric Lash by the band The Church. And I said that was never played on WKRP, uh, at least not while the series ran, because, well, and I know that's for sure because the song didn't come out until 1983 and the show was off the air in 1982. So, hey, there, see, I'm right. I looked it up during the break, and it turns out I was right. Uh, okay, so um, the show also dealt with um, some race relations type stuff. I mean, uh, Tim Reed played uh, Venus Flytrap. He was the the overnight DJ, uh, and you know he's a black man. And so he would play soul music and R&B and funk and that kind of stuff overnight. Well, Johnny, Dr. Johnny Fever, played by Howard Hessman, he would be playing the rock and roll stuff during the day, and they must have other DJs, but, you know, there's only so many people you can put in a cast, right? So, um, 
they it, there was an episode where um, um, Venus was interviewed by a guy who worked at a different radio station or something where he was the only white guy or in a magazine or something I, I wish I remember exactly he was the only white guy working in a you know in a workplace where there's everybody else is black and he says you know and he was kind of seeing if Venus could figure out what that's like, and Venus like, yeah, kind of, yeah, because he's the only black dude working in a place where everybody else is white. So white dude, all black, you know, switch, switch, switch. But the interesting part about that episode was that fellow was played by uh, uh, an actor comedian named Tom Dreesen, and Tom Dreesen and Venus Flytrap, who was played by Tim Reed, Dreesen and Reed were part of, were a comedy team back, uh, you know, before the. KRP days. They were they worked together as a team that they would do routines together, whatever you know. So they got together on that show and did a little race relation stuff. Also with Venus Flytrap, uh, his actual name is Gordon Sim, and I I can't remember. Um, he might have had a different name that he went under uh, because uh, he, you know because he um, well he deserted the army. He was in Vietnam. And there was a very heavy episode about what had happened. Just a few days before he was set to, you know, you know, be discharged, he went AWOL. And uh, the reason he did that is uh, um, they were on a helicopter with uh, Crazy Eddie or something, some guy that they would call Crazy Eddie, and something happened that made him snap, this, this guy. Uh, and he just stepped off the helicopter while it was flying. Just, just, just walked out, smiled and walked out or jumped out or something. And that, after seeing that, he just walked away. He didn't even wait for his discharge. He just walked away and went AOL, uh, A-W-L-L. So, you know, heavy stuff. And and they did the, uh, there was the, um, the handling of, since it's in Cincinnati, and the show was on from 1978 through 1982, that means that in that time period came December 3, uh, December 3, 1979, and that was the date of the Cincinnati disaster at the concert uh, that the Who was put on. Yeah, the Who, my favorite band. Uh, there was that. There was that uh, disaster. It was festival seating, meaning no, there wasn't assigned seats, so people would kind of rush to get in to get to the you know closest to the stage as they could, and not enough doors were opened up when things opened, and people got crushed, and 11, 11 concert goers were killed. And the band didn't know about it until after the show, and and that the Who had never had not gone back to Cincinnati since. And I talked about this a while back because last December was the 40th anniversary of the of this this disaster, and there was a documentary put out by a local Cincinnati news channel news station. They did a documentary in which they interviewed Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend and their manager Bill Churbishley about the events and other pe- people that were involved in it, the concert goers, and how they, you know, looking back on it and all that kind of stuff. And during the the documentary, Pete said that they should go back and play again for since because they'd never been back to Cincinnati since uh, since 1979. And Bill Churbishley found out about it, that Pete had said yes, he wants he wants the band to go back. So he said, well, then we'll do it. So they announced that they would go and play in Cincinnati, return after 40 years in April of this year. And guess what happens? The COVID. The COVID comes through and that gets canceled. They will attempt to go 
there in uh, I can't I don't remember which month exactly, but it's in next year in 2021. They're going to attempt to go to you know, play in Cincinnati again, and I hope they can do it. But this this pandemic is just uh, we're six months in here in the United States. We're six months in. 200,000 people have died. It's 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 tiring, and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. And then with all this stuff going on with the election coming up, it's, it gets it gets really tiring. But I'll have more on that later. The show, being a, with a radio station, the creator of the show was a fellow named Hugh Wilson, and he wanted the he he wanted it to be as authentic as he could make it. I mean, it was based on a station, I guess, that he had worked at. Uh, in in the you know in his younger days, and he, what he wanted was the, that they sh he thought it was very important that they play real songs, real music, not sound alikes, because the the network was saying, well, we can do the sound alike stuff. So there's a band that sounds like the Beatles, but it's not the Beatles, and it's not a Beatles song, but it sounds like this, and it sounds. He says, no, no, we have to use actual songs. Now they couldn't use any Beatles songs; they couldn't afford them. And there were some other bands that he mentioned that they couldn't afford, but like Michael Jackson, they couldn't afford him. Or the Rolling Stones, they couldn't afford them. But there were other bands that they could. And what he would do, he said, you could get uh, 15 seconds or so of, uh, of a Pink Floyd song for $3,000. You know, because you have to pay for the rights and licensing and all this kind of stuff. So you get, for three grand, they get 16 seconds, 15 seconds, whichever it was. Uh, of the song, and they can just work that into a show, and then they can buy, get another song for another three thousand dollars for another fifteen seconds that they put here, and they they would do that, so they'd have the actual songs, not the whole thing, of course, but you would get enough, like introducing or coming out of a song or something like that, and they they paid this amount. Well, um, and they got all kinds of rights, and you know, they, they, they licensing, they they pay for all this stuff. And it worked for a while during the syndication of the show, but after a time, the the they lost the rights to the song. They, 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 their their uh, licensing expired. The money they paid only lasted for so long, and then the syndication ended because you know the guy was saying I was getting these nice checks every August. I was getting a nice check, but then boop, they went away because nobody would watch the show. Without the actual songs, they would try to put something different in. They'd they they'd edit the shows, and they just didn't seem right. And what they would they also they put a uh, uh, they they would try. There was some efforts to really match as good a song, you know, a song that might work just as well. But sometimes there was it was playing in the background, and there was dialogue between characters going over it. So what they would have to do is they'd have to get actors that sound like the characters and do voice you know dub in the voiceovers and that kind of worked i guess but then sometimes stuff had to be lopped off and just it just got to be weird in fact one of the one of the times when i first noticed that you know and i had no idea that the licensing was a was a thing i was watching an episode where uh, uh arthur carlson the the manager of the station he's in his 40s at this point and his wife who's also in her 40s they find out that she's pregnant and uh, they already have one kid, a boy who's a, you know, a Nazi youth <laughs> kind of guy. He's probably a Trump supporter. Anyway, so he he they, and he's kind of a brat. But they're gonna they find out they're gonna 
they have another baby and they're deciding do we want to keep it and so now they're touching on the abortion they're talking touching on the abortion topic i mean come on <laughs> now they decide that they're going to have the baby and venus comes in it's, they're still to, the husband and wife they're still at the station late at night and venus comes in to do his thing and 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 arthur calls into the booth to say look i, I want to do a request uh, something you know to, uh, he makes some kind of comment about this this lovely little girl here He's referring to his wife, and I, you know, something sweet. You know, can you play something sweet? So Venus plays the song "Thank Heaven for Little Girls" by Maurice Chevalier. I think that's, I think that's who sang it. I don't know who sang it, but the, "Thank Heaven for Little Girls," and Venus is kind of freaked out because he had no idea what the hell was going on. He comes in, he didn't know that the pregnancy stuff. He didn't know what was going on about that. So it's kind of funny. But then I was watching this when the show was in syndication. This was some years ago, and it was a song that was completely different. I said, "Well, that's not the right song." What the hell's going on here? And then I learned that they lost the licensing and they put something in that hopefully would fit. And I thought, oh, that doesn't quite work. Uh, so what uh, um, Hugh Wilson had talked about, he says that $3,000 to get that little bit of Pink Floyd song suddenly became $103,000. Well, they can't afford that, so that's why things happen. So the show might, I don't know if we'll ever see it again as, it's, as it was intended. There was some DVD set that was put out that they tried to do a good job with, and maybe they did, but uh, they still still not quite the same. And so it's just um, what else have I got? It it was it was it was a fun show. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. The turkey episode was actually they said the turkey episode was kind of based on an actual event. Uh, I I couldn't find the the actual event, but uh, well, they they said it might have been. But I did say I'd have something like one of these. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio Pedantic Moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, 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 we'll see. We'll see if it's any good. It's a little thing. It's me thinking too much. It's me looking at it and just thinking way too much about it. But still, hopefully it's kind of fun. Um... On the to, to what made what put WKRP back into my brain was uh, I just saw something on YouTube where they had uh, w, WKRP goes rock and roll or something like that. I'll I'll link to it on the show notes so you can watch it. And it's it's a segment from the very first show in which uh, Dr. Johnny Fever, who's not Dr. Johnny Fever yet, he's uh, John Caravelli or something like that. He's the he's he's in the program director's office, he's kind of sleeping on the couch. And uh, Andy comes in and starts talking to him, and they're talking about what's going to change with the station. What's he going to do? And Andy lets it be known that they're going to go to rock and roll. They're going to play rock and roll music. Uh, okay, all right. So then the scene switches to inside the the DJ booth, and uh, uh, Johnny's sitting in there with with uh, with Bailey Quarters, played by Jan Smithers. Who, if if you do the Ginger or Marianne thing. You know, there's that thing, that question, would you, would you rather, Ginger or Marianne? You know, like I think it's the guys that would the guys do. And usually it's Marianne. I think Ginger would be, she seems maybe she's too intimidating. So when you look at WKRP, you'd say, you'd say you know, Bailey or, or Jennifer. Huh? Bailey Quarters, Jen, uh, played by Jan Smithers. Or um, um, Jennifer Marlowe, played by Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson, by the way, is from Minnesota. And my friend John 
his mother, way back in the day, worked at like a Woolworths or something like that, some department store, and she worked with Lonnie Anderson before Lonnie went out to be an actor. So, yeah. Two degrees of separation. Three, two, whatever. To Lonnie Anderson. Huh? Huh? Anyway, um... So, I'm kind of, you know, so which one? Bailey or Jennifer? Well, I kind of like Bailey. <laughs> so, but and it, that's beside the point. So, the two of them are sitting in there. They're playing this really comical version of the song, You're Having My Baby, done by some tabernacle choir. That's very weird. And in walks Andy. And he tells John, he says, you know what? I've decided, let's switch the format now. Let's do it now. And he says, Now? He says, yeah, let's do it now. Well, I haven't got any records. Well, now you do. And he hands him ten records. Maybe more. But it, look, I looked at it. I freezed the, you know, I paused the thing. And I looked at it. It looks like about ten, ten albums. And I thought, um, let's do some math here. <laughs> We're going to make some assumptions to go into this, this pedantry. We're going to assume that, okay, these 10 albums, we're going to say they're each by a different artist. Different band, different solo artist, different, you know, each is a different one. And let's say that each album has 10 songs on it. And each song, you know, we'll, we'll say that they're four minutes long. That's a good average of what a pop song is. They can be, a lot of them are two minutes long, but some of them can be five or six minutes long. So let's say they're four minutes long. So they got, you got, that's that's what they got there. Now, let's let's give them a little bit more and say, okay, one of those albums is one of those KTEL records. Remember KTEL records back in the '70s and early '80s? Uh, some of you older folks will remember that. On TV, you could order these records. You get uh, you get uh, you know 20 original artists, 20 original hits, that kind of thing. And uh, what they would be would they they would KTEL would uh, would put out uh, these compilation albums of the hit songs of the day or some you know, a few of them anyway and you might get 20 songs on an album and you'd get Sonny and Cher and 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 Eric Clapton and you know the, the Donny Osmond the Jackson Five you get things like you know with their with a hit song of theirs from that from that day and you could buy them all together, and they they get all these record labels. We give them the, they get permission to do it or whatever. You get the licensing, and they put these out. So let's say one of those albums is in Andy's hand. You know these ten records. So okay, <laughs> and again we'll put them under the still four minutes each and all that. Um, <laughs> I hope I wrote all this down. <laughs> um, let's figure. You know, it, it so you get you get uh, uh, these ten albums with uh, with with ten songs each, except for the one the the the, the KTEL record that's got twenty songs on it. Uh, all right, so you've got that's how many is that? Ten with forty songs each. That's uh, that's uh, four hundred. So you got four hundred twenty. So no, no, four hundred ten songs. You get 410 songs, right? Is that right? <laughs> and you know how long is that? How long is that going to take? If you get, if you figure you got 44 minutes or so uh, in an hour to for playing music, 
Because you got like 10 minutes of commercials and 5 minutes of uh, news and DJ bantering and kind of stuff. You, you, know, in a, you know, or 6 minutes of that, something. You know, it's just... You, he's gonna, you're going to get like 10 hours of music. And you're, you're going to get 20, uh, 29 bands, 29 artists to play. And uh, 20 of them are just going to have one song each. I mean, come on. <laughs> you're going to need more records. Well, I'm sure Andy had more records coming and they would have had, you know, like in another office, he'd just keep bringing them through the day. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, that's just me thinking way too much about it. Okay, now that I've given you all that, let's take a break. I'll come back with some, uh, some crap. <laughs> Something else. Anyway, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this. Come on, play. There we go. This song could have been played on WKRP. It came out in 1980. It's Why Pete Townsend. Why was I born today? Life is useless like Ecclesiastes. I never had a chance for opportunities now in my head. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Hey, everyone, this is Professor Dave. I want to teach you about all kinds of things regarding science. I want to tell you about physics. I want to tell you about chemistry, biology, astronomy, math, and many, many more things. Come check me out on YouTube. The channel is called Professor Dave Explains. Take it easy. He knows a lot about the science stuff, Professor Dave explains. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, well, time for some bummer. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'll try to end the show on an up note, but... Uh, a fearless leader, uh, when he's not refusing, when he's not saying he, he, he will... Uh, uh, refuse the results of the upcoming election unless of course he wins because the only way he could lose is if the system's rigged if he's not doing that he's uh he's he's hol- holding his uh covid infectathon uh, infectathon rallies uh you know in various places around the country and 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 spewing Horrific stuff. <laughs> it just is. Uh, he stopped in Bemidji, Minnesota, which is uh, northern Minnesota. It's, it's a it's a bit of a drive 
from the Twin Cities North, and uh, he he references eugenics when talking to a crowd of uh, receptive Minnesotans. Now, one thing I have I'll note about these rallies that he does. The, you, you look at the people behind him. They, they got the people behind the president, you know, holding up the Trump signs and all that. Most of them are wearing masks. That's, you know, I mean, he's at least, at least sort of trying to demonstrate that wearing masks is probably a good idea because they're wearing them. And if more Trump supporters see more Trump supporters wearing masks, we'll get more people wearing masks. Maybe. But... On the other side of the of the president, the people looking at him from in front, the crowds, whenever I see the images there, masks aren't quite as plentiful. So, um, you know, so the president should at some point say, hey, hey, everybody, uh, turn to your neighbor, cough, cough on your neighbor, come on, you know, turn to another one, cough on them, let's all, let's all cough around here, because, you know, at least one or two of you has got this. It's chances are pretty good. There's a couple of you that have the COVID that are here in the crowd. And you just don't know you have it. Let's just start coughing. Let's get it all spread around. Let's all get it good and spread. Because you know. Anyway, the president was saying what great genes that Minnesotans have. With such good genes, such good genes. You know, he says that. And if that was where he left it, I would be okay. I was like, okay, he's just buttering up the crowd. Minnesotans, you're hardy. We're hardy up here. We're because we go through those rough winters, which another one's just a, about to begin. Oh, God, you just think that they're not going to happen again, and then you start seeing the leaves change color and bunches of them on the ground already. And even though today it was a little warm, a little humid, have the AC on still. It's just yeah. Over the next couple of days, it's just going to. Oh. <laughs> so anyway. The hardy Minnesotan thing, if that's all he was doing, fine. He's just pandering to the crowd, just buttering them up, you know, that kind of thing. That's Politicians do that. That's no, you know, no big deal. But then he said, he said this, quote, the racehorse theory. You think we're so different? Unquote. He said that. What's he saying there? The racehorse theory. You know what the racehorse theory is? It's the theory that if you breed the best female stock with the best male stock you'll get really good offspring you'll get really good horses out of it and they'll run faster stronger be better you know, that's uh, breeding for the you know, better stuff and that's and and then he says you think we're so different now why he's saying this to a bunch of Minnesotans? It's it's like, well, uh, well, because we're you know, reproducing with each other. We're Minnesotans, and we're reproducing with other Minnesotans. Is that what he's saying? Good stock. Is it? Is it? Is there something now? I, maybe I'm reading something into this that I shouldn't. But is it white people? an awful lot of white people. Is that what he's saying? But see, the thing is, the racehorse theory, and then connecting it to, you think we're so different, when he does that, he's talking eugenics. 
I know his supporters will disagree with me, but he's talking eugenics, and eugenics is that idea. You 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 allow the 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 best to breed, and you just and you don't allow the not so good to breed. And in that not allowing the not so good to breed, there's sterilization, there's you know, things of that nature. And it's just it's it's not good science. Uh, it, there's it, you know seems unethical and it uh, well it is unethical uh, when it comes to people and it could be racist <laughs> it, it it could be you know it's just it's just it just feels uh, to put it lightly feels icky and I don't want my president saying stuff that makes me feel icky and to say are you dog whistling here what are you saying why are you saying the racehorse theory you think we're so different why are you saying that to a group of mostly white people not wearing masks? It's just, ugh. Yeah. And then he was in Ohio doing another one of these things. And, you know, there are 200,000 deaths, more than that now, in the United States due to COVID. Oh, yeah, there's, oh, no, they weren't killed by COVID. They weren't killed by pre-existing conditions. They had other stuff. That's what killed them. Oh, really? They were going to die of their diabetes in the last six months? They were going to die of asthma in the last six months? Did they have, uh, you know, heart disease or heart troubles that was going to kill them in the next six months? I mean, maybe. But don't you think COVID had something to do with it? Oh, no, no, nope, nope. And besides, it's mostly old people. It's mostly old people. Mostly old people. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. And I've said this before. <laughs> but, well, the president goes on about this, and he talks about virtually nobody's getting it. You know, it's, it's, it's the old people. It's the elderly. They're getting it. Young people. Oh, let's hear for the young people. Oh, the good genes, the young, the young people. Let's hear for them. And, you know, people with, and the people with pre-existing conditions and all that. You know, the president's kind of saying, you know, fuck him. Yeah. I don't want any Trump supporter to ever, who, who will spout this kind of stuff. It's just old people good. It's just people with pre-existing conditions. I don't want ever want to hear any of them say to me the phrase, all lives matter. Because clearly, they don't. And then, uh, Trump was, uh, he was on some town hall thing. He was talking to... Uh, to George Stephanopoulos, and he said that when we get uh, herd mentality, uh, this will disappear on its own. Well, we need a vaccine. It'll just disappear on its own because we get the herd mentality. Now, he meant to say uh, herd immunity. That's what he meant to say. But when you consider that to get herd immunity, we have to have like 70% of the population get the COVID and recover from it to get that. Now, well... Actually, you know, 70% recovered. No, 70% would have to get it. And if you figure of that 70%, there's going to be a percentage of people dying. 70% uh, of the U.S. population, if we just go from saying there's uh, 330 million people, might be a little more than what there is, but you know, I'll say 330 million people. 70% of that is 231 million. And so uh, uh, the death rate... Could be as high as five percent, maybe maybe higher. Could be as high as that. But if you know, if we figure that uh, 231,000, uh, 231 million people get the COVID, and if the death rate is holds at five uh, percent, that's eleven million five hundred fifty thousand people. 
dead. Uh, if it's one percent, if it's a one percent death rate, which it could be, that would be uh, you know that'd be two million three hundred thirty or three hundred ten thousand people. Two million three hundred ten thousand people dying. We're two two hundred thousand now. And I'll link to the site so you can take a look at it and get a deeper understanding of what's going on. But I did a, a look at, uh, you know, I was watching a video that was done by a fellow named Brian Taylor or Tyler Cohen. He's a he's a left guy and he doesn't like Trump and so he's been doing a lot of these pieces and uh, anti-Trump type type stuff and, and fact checking and that kind of thing. And he was talking about the infection rates here in the United States. And um, although the although the raw numbers will be a little bit different, you know, the, you could still have a bigger number but a lower percentage, a bigger number of, of deaths or infection cases, new cases. Um, this is the infection rate, so it's new cases. You might have more cases in one state, but the rate is lower than in another state because of the population of that state and all that. So it's it can be a little goofy there. It can be a little misleading, but there's something interesting here. Uh, the top 10 for with the lowest infection rate, starting at the top with the 0.4% infection rate is Vermont. Uh, Vermont went to, uh, went to the, the Democrat in 2016. Does have a Republican governor, though. Uh, Maine follows with 0.5%. That also went Democrat in 2016. Uh, let's see. Massachusetts has a 0.6% new infection rate. And that went Democrat in 2016 for the president. Uh, does have a Republican governor, though. Uh, New Hampshire has a 0.7% rate. Uh, it went Democrat in 2016. Uh, it does have a Republican governor. And, and, and did. Well, it does have one and during the uh, the infection, I should say, during the uh, COVID. Uh, let's see. New York comes in next at uh, 0.9%, which has a, went Democrat in 2016. Uh, Connecticut is 1.1%, went Democrat. Washington, D.C. is 1.2%, went Democrat. Uh, let's see. Rhode Island, 1.6%. It went Democrat. Uh, New Jersey at 1.7%. It also went Democrat. And New Mexico at 2.3% new infection rate uh, went Democrat. Uh, all of those that I didn't designate a Republican governor have Democrat governors. Okay, those are the top 10 with the lowest, lowest rates. Now at the bottom, with the highest rates, starting at the one with the highest rate. And again, the pure numbers might be lower when compared numbers to numbers, you know, like the totals of new cases from, you know, from one state to the other. It's the, because of the population, the rates might be higher. So it's a little, it can, you could, it can, I want to make sure that that gets out there so I'm not trying to mislead you, but this is just an interesting aspect here. So the bottom 10, we have South Dakota as the worst with a 23 0.8% infection rate. They went Republican in 2016. You have, uh, let's see, Idaho with uh, a 19.4% infection rate, went Republican. Wisconsin at 17.6% went Republican, has a Democrat for governor. Uh, next, Iowa, 16.3% went Republican. Kansas, 15.5% went Republican. They have a Democrat governor. Or governor. Um, 
Alabama, 13.7% went Republican. Uh, Nebraska, 13.3% went Republican. Utah, 13% went Republican in 2016. Uh, tw uh, let's see, Wyoming has 12.6%. They went Republican as well in 2016. And rounding out the 10, uh, Missouri at 12.3%. They went Republican. Uh, only two of the states of those 10 have Democrat governors, but uh, they're, they're, the electorate went Republican when uh, the 2016 presidential election went. Um, I don't know how their their legislatures shake out. Are they? I don't know which part of these states. It just went with governors, and wh which way the state went when uh, the elections came around. So, isn't that interesting? All the top ten states went for Hillary Clinton, of the lowest rates. All the bottom ten went for President Trump. Now, hey, you know, it's this is just the most recent rating. Minnesota, if, if, for those who are interested, is at 4.8%. Um, for those that might be interested, I mean, this, it, now, you know, these 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 uh, New England states, like well New York and New Jersey, they were much higher, but they've gotten things in order. But you know, it was trying to be. You know, said, well, that's because the, they got the herd immunity now. Well, no, they their infection rate at the highest in New York was twenty two percent. So um, yeah, it, they've gotten it down to what's New York at zero point nine percent, less than one percent. So it's not the herd immunity. It's just that they're doing the social distancing. They're washing their hands. They're wearing masks. They're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, which everybody should have been doing, and everybody should be doing to bring this thing under control, but we're not. <laughs> and if we had a president who could lead, maybe they would. Okay, before, I, but I'm not going to leave on a downer. I'm going to leave on a cool thing. It has to do with The Who, my favorite band. There is a YouTube channel called uh, Bloxy, B-L-O-X-S-Y. I will put this on the show notes link at, uh, at uh, Dimland Radio. I'll put it on the show notes. Um, 20 of what this person thinks are the greatest guitar riffs by The Who. And they say, and, they, and they, the video is very pared down. It's just a person sitting there you don't even see their face they're playing guitar various guitars to you know set up with the certain effects and sounds so that, uh, that they can reproduce the the riffs done by by Pete Townsend and they say you don't usually think of the who is you know lead guitar riffs kind of stuff like you think with uh, Led Zeppelin band like that but the who does have a few that are pretty cool I think it's really nifty I think it's a, uh, um, pretty impressive, and the, the, the young person who put them together plays guitar really well and reproduces them really, really well. So I think it's a cool thing, and I haven't said this in a long time. I hope that you've had at least one cool thing happen for you this week. Good night, Adolfo. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay. Well, I got to the end of another show. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, be patient, wash your hands, uh, be, you know, stay home, stay safe, wear a mask, and of course, sleep with the lights off. You've been listening to Jim Land Radio on the Ctalk Radio Network at ctalkradio.com, and I'll see you next week.
check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. My life, you're clever, Dim. You'd certainly taken me in. What? 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 What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, Well, I'm I'm going going to hell. hell.